Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. You know, do you believe that, that Jesus changes everything? You believe that this morning? You know, it's a... It's a reality that if anyone is in Christ, Scripture says that he's a new creation, that old things are passed away and all things become new. And you know, as we gather, many of you are kind of wondering maybe why I have a shovel uh, up here. You know, this uh, last week, some of you were disappointed that I didn't share uh, what had happened to my head, and uh, I had a little, little cut there last week. And so in the early service, I shared that, and my wife said if I told again, she'd put another one on there. So... Now, it was Mother's Day last week, so I really didn't want to tell on her um, about that, but uh, it was really this shovel that she, no, she didn't, and um, I wish I had a really cool story about that, but really, I, I just kind of bumped into a shelf, and um, so I won't go uh, too far uh, that direction. We're... Uh, we're excited to be able to gather and worship together this morning. And as I'm reminded as we gather as the body of Christ, what a privilege it is that we come together uh, to worship our great God, to come together corporately uh, to do that. And as we uh, think about those things, I'm reminded that there are a lot of people that are uh, outside of these walls, right? If you were to go in places all over our community and homes all over uh, our uh, area in stores that are all around, the reality is there would be some Christ followers that are there. They were not in church for uh, some reason uh, this morning, but the reality is that there are many people uh, that are on the outside of these doors that do not know Jesus Christ. And here's the interesting thing uh, about that. If you were to, to talk to them or you were to observe much of their lives, the reality is that they don't know that they're lost. Did you know that? When you really think about that, there are so many people that are, uh, are, are really not concerned that they're lost. And the sad thing is that many times in the way that our behavior reflects as God's people, we don't express a real concern for their lostness either. It's kind of like the little boy that I heard about who was at Disney World, and in that moment, he was uh, pretty excited. He was uh, enjoying It's a Small World, after all. He was riding that ride. Some of y'all been there, and so you're going through there. Kid's doing that. He's going on roller coasters. He's having a great time, and in the midst of that, he gets separated from his parents. Now, in those moments, this kid is enjoying himself so much that he doesn't even know that he is lost, right? He's having so much fun on the rides. He's having uh, such a great time trying to pursue the things that he wants to enjoy that he doesn't even know it. Tony Evans said that Satan has constructed the world in such a way that it gives us enough distractions that many times people don't know they're lost and they're kind of in their own spiritual Disneyland. They're kind of in this type of thing. We've got a, a world full of people who don't know that the fun that this world is offering, the, the, the parties, the, the clubs, the 
things that are there, the relationships, the money, whatever those things are, that those are really just camouflage from Satan that distracts them from recognizing and understanding that they are separated from God. So much of our time as humanity really is spent pursuing our own desires, our own things so much that many don't realize that they are missing something, right? And we, on the inside, we have experienced Christ. We have experienced his grace and his forgiveness. And the reality is that the greatest need of humanity, the greatest need that anyone uh, has is forgiveness from sin. Now, the parents of this particular child, the parents of this young boy, they were looking for him. They knew that he was lost at Disneyland and they went to a worker like many of us have done in those moments and they said, hey, we can't find our son, right? And so they began to search and they began uh, to find this boy and he still had no idea that he's lost. They bring him to his parents who are searching for him. And, you know, Casey prayed in his prayer, there's this blessing that we are privileged to be part of the work that God does in the midst of this world, that he has chosen to use uh, his people uh, to declare his goodness, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And what we find in scripture is that God desires to find lost people. The scripture says that he, the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. And so we have this responsibility, uh, this privilege to bring lost people into contact with a God who re- uh, desires to regain fellowship with them. And this is our role, this is our heart in evangelism, right? That, that God has chosen his church to carry this message. Now in the book of Acts, we see this principle, this this really neat thought, right? In Acts chapter 2, we see the church birth. We see these beautiful things about the way the church was gathering. We see them breaking bread daily. We see them gathering and going from house to house. We see them, uh, Scripture says that they had all things in common. There was this unity about this body of believers. And then in that passage, I believe it's along about verse 47, it says, day by day, uh, the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved. And so there was this beautiful beautiful thing that there was them, right? There was they, uh, those that have never trusted Jesus Christ or surrendered their life to him that may not even know what they're missing, right? Now, if we look around, all of us desire the garden. We see uh, this desire that all of us have for the bad things of this life to no longer happen, right? We have a desire for those things. We recognize as we look around, as we see just the beauty of creation, as we look into the stars and we're reminded that that the, the God of heaven, that he spoke all these things uh, into existence, that that Jesus holds all these things together in his power. We look around and we see the beauty of all that, but we also see the brokenness of this world, right? And we know that there's something wrong. We know that there is something And what we see in the early part of the book of Acts is as they proclaimed the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they would proclaim the gospel and they became us. And it's our desire as a faith family that we would have that heart. People are hurting. People are longing for hope. And people, in all reality, really don't know what they need. And in the midst of life, there's a pursuit of all these other things, right? If you remember where you were before Christ, if you remember where you were apart from Christ, we're pursuing all of these earthly things that we might find satisfaction, but what we find out is that nothing ever 
satisfies. And so our heart this morning is that we might look at this heart that we have to open doors to folks that are outside of Christ, to folks that are outside of this building, that they might find what they really need, or rather that who they really need might find them. Our heart is that they would become us. Now, sin, our greatest enemy, separates us from a holy God. We know those things if we're in church. We hear those things that that there's none of us that are righteous, not even one, that we've all sinned and that we've fallen short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin, that the just payment that we deserve, right, what we earn because of sin is separation from God. The scripture says that it is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so our greatest problem, sin, the separation from God, it destroys relationships and left unforgiven, it results in eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's the bad news, but the good news is that we can be forgiven. See, humanity's greatest need is the forgiveness of sins found only in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the God who forgives sin. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 2 today. We're going to open God's Word, and we're going to look at a familiar story. And sometimes that familiar story can be all about uh, the characters that are in the story. And there's some really cool characters in the story. There's some great things, and it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. But I want to remind you that as we lean into this passage, that this passage is all about Jesus. And it's all about this reality that he is the God who forgives sin. We're going to jump in together. Let's pray and we'll just jump into God's word. Father, we're grateful, Lord, that you are the God who forgives sin. Lord, that we, uh, God, apart from you, Lord, are without hope. Lord, and we're so grateful, God, that through your word, God, today we'll see, Lord, just the beauty of this truth. Lord, uh, that, that Jesus is God, and it is in Christ that we can find forgiveness of sin. It's through repentance and faith that we are changed, that we pass from death to life. Father, and I pray, God, that you would speak to us this morning. God, that you would change us from the inside out, God, and that you might call us all, Lord, on mission for the glory of your name. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name, the name above every name. Amen. So Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, when he had come back to Capernaum. So we see Jesus is back from this preaching tour, uh, this ministry tour through Galilee. So he's proclaiming the word of God. Uh, we're seeing people that are being healed. In Mark chapter 1, everything is beautiful. Everybody is loving Jesus. Toward the end of that chapter, we see this beautiful picture where Jesus encounters this leper. Uh, we won't have this on the screen, but, but we see this beautiful picture where uh, he comes to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you're in verse 40s where I'm at, it says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And notice these words. It said that Jesus was moved with compassion. I love those words. It said, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing, what Moses commanded is a testimony then. Now, what this guy do? Scripture says in, in verse 45, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely and spread the good news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, 
but stayed out in unpopulated areas and people were coming to him from everywhere. So this is the kind of moment that we're in. And, and Jesus, the word gets out that Jesus has come home. There's, uh, there's religious people. There are uh, Pharisees and scribes that have traveled long distances to be there. There are people uh, that are gathered in this place. And scripture says that there were many gathered in this house. And I don't know if you uh, are like people with a gift of hospitality, right? And love having people over. But I can't imagine a house full of people coming and uninvited, right, without any knowledge of it. So many, the scripture says, that they could not even get in the doors, right? It says that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and Jesus was speaking the word to them. So they've come, and they're desiring healing. They're desiring to see uh, miracles take place, but Jesus is proclaiming the word to them. Now, now we like to think, hey, you know what? Standing room only. This is much worse even than that. Now, they're here, and it, Scripture says in verse 3 that they came bringing a paralytic to him carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let the pallet, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Now, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to open a way for others to experience Jesus. That's what we uh, are called to do. We're to continue to point to Christ. And so what we see in this passage, there's these four men, and they're carrying this man who is paralyzed. Now, they get to this place. You can imagine a moment like this. We're in the midst of service, and uh, every now and then somebody will move a chair upstairs, right? And it like shakes the earth in here. And we're all like, what is that? Can you imagine, right? All of a sudden, uh, these men, they can't find a way. They're carrying this man. They they're in perplexed, right, about what they're going to do. Their, their desire is that they know this man is paralyzed and that he needs, uh, that they desire for him to, to experience Jesus. They believe that Jesus could heal this man. It's obvious in their faith that that's where they're at. They come and, and they're, they're having to regroup. And all of a sudden I can imagine them kind of interacting in these moments. And I'm wondering kind of what's going through this paralyzed guy's mind, right? They've got him on this cot. They've got him on this mat. They're carrying him and they sit him down for a minute. Maybe they have like a team meeting and they're like, <laughs> I know what to do. This is going to be awesome. And they're like, hey, let's go up on top of the roof. And so in this uh, setting and in this culture, it was uh, a little bit different than a roof like we're uh, above. But there, there would have been this picture of these beams that would have been laid. And then maybe uh, lots of sticks and lots of things kind of crossed up to begin uh, to build that roof. And then dirt and, and debris and earth just packed on top of that and pressed down in such a way uh, that would have not allowed the water to come in. And so here they are. And I don't know what tool that they found, but here for them was maybe the greatest tool of evangelism that they could ever have, right? And, and so they've got this thought. They said, let's just go up on the roof. Maybe there's a stairwell that led up there, or maybe they had to climb up on the neighbor's house and get over. We don't know all the details about how they got there, but there's such a desire in them that they said, you know what? We're going to introduce, we're going we're gonna to get this person uh, to Jesus. And Jesus desired to, uh, to engage and meet. And so here they are. They're digging in this roof. Now, can you imagine all of a sudden if all, all, maybe some debris starts falling on your head from upstairs? I can imagine they're gathered and, the, you know, dirt starts falling. There, all of a sudden, there's a little light. And, and before long, you can see these four guys. And I imagine their face was just a look of determination, right? Can you imagine just kind of looking up? And there's these four guys just looking down in there. And then they're like, ah, right, look out! And they're making a big place. There's like the room a size of a man. I don't know how big this hole would have to be, but they begin to lower Jesus down into this place, right? And I'm just imagining, man, this has to be an incredible 
picture. This has to be like, that was distracting, right? Can you imagine? This is what's happening. And so here, all of a sudden, you've got the Pharisees, right? You've got the scribes. You've got these people that are they're observing. They're listening to see what Jesus is saying. They're looking to catch him and, and hear what he's saying about the word. There, there's this moment, right, where there are people that have come because maybe they were in need of healing. And maybe they wanted to see miracles or they wanted to see these things. And Jesus is preaching the kingdom. Jesus is sharing. And here's this man. They lower him in and there was Jesus. I can imagine this moment, right, as this man is lowered into the presence of the king. Verse 5 says, Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's something very interesting in this passage. This wasn't what they came for. This wasn't the need that I'm sure he was desiring to be met in that moment, right? Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Can I remind you that Jesus sees faith? In this moment, he looks and he says, when he saw their faith. Now, there were these four guys and they had faith. Obviously, they did, but it was also obvious to me that this man that was on the pallet, this man that was being brought to Jesus had faith because here's the reality. God don't have no grandchildren, Right? It, it, we, we individually come to faith in Christ individually. It's, it's not, uh, we're not getting into heaven because of our grandparents' faith or our uncle's faith or anybody else's. It is personal faith in Jesus Christ. And he sees faith. And this faith is contrasted quickly with the scribes and Pharisees. They, Jesus, uh, in verse 6, it says, but some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. And they're asking this question, why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming. Who could forgive sins? But God alone. So Jesus sees faith. And can I remind you this morning that Jesus knows hearts. You know, that's a heavy thing to think about, that Jesus knows our hearts. Every person in this room, you know, and sometimes that's an encouraging thing for me because we don't always know the right thing to do. We don't always know every answer to every question. We don't always know all of these things. But I like to say sometimes that God knows our heart, right? And we want to come together and worship him. And we want to come together and proclaim his goodness. And we want to do that with a heart to serve and to bring him glory. And it can also be a heavy thought to know that Jesus knows our heart. He knows whether or not we truly desire to see people come to faith in him. And he says here, only God can forgive sins. He says, who can forgive sins but God alone? He knew that reasoning in their heart and blasphemy was punishable by death. This was a, this was a punishable by death offense unless Jesus is God. And this is a point, right? In this passage, Jesus can forgive Sins. And if Jesus can forgive sins, then he is God. Look at verse 8. Immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that all were amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Could you imagine being in 
that moment. I, I imagine it was much more dramatic than this scripture allows us to see. Can you imagine as this paralyzed man picked up his pallet, as he began to walk and move? Spurgeon said this about it. He said, I think I see him. He sets one foot down to God's glory. He plants the other to the same note. He walks to God's glory. He carries his bed to God's glory. He moves his whole body to the glory of God. He speaks, he shouts, he sings, he leaps to the glory of God. And for those of us who have been changed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, we ought to look different. We ought to talk different. We ought to act different. And we ought to do everything we do to the glory of God. It ought to be that in our workplaces, there ought to be something different about followers of Jesus Christ. It ought to be that, that, that workplaces would desire nothing more than to hire people that profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because it don't matter how much they're getting paid. It don't matter how much the stress is. It don't matter what's going on in their life. Their, their, their king is beyond uh, the boss that's in that room. They're living and working and serving uh, for the glory of God. It ought to be our desire that we might come together and worship and that we might serve him and that we might uh, love him. And we're going to see this reality in this passage that when people are faith-filled followers of Jesus Christ, when we've been changed by the glory of God, there's some things that we see in these men that I believe we should see in us. And the first is the thing that we saw in Jesus when he looked upon the leper, right? The scripture says that he saw him and he was moved with compassion and he healed him. These men, they were stirred with compassion. And to me, the definition of compassion really is love in action. We're a church that says, hey, we've been saved by God's grace. We've been captivated uh, by his grace. And in light of his mercy and in light of his goodness, and because he first loved us, we love him. And we put that love in action. We have an overflow of a love relationship with Jesus Christ that results in us loving our neighbor, that, that we love our neighbor correctly by, by doing something, right? We have compassion and we put that love in action. They saw this man in his condition and they were moved with compassion and they desired to do whatever they could to get this man in the presence of Jesus. Because the reality is there's none of us that can heal. There's none of us that can save, but there is a man and his name is Jesus, in their desire, they're moved with compassion. They say, if we could just get him to Jesus. The second thing that we see in this passage is they were willing to work together. And by the way, they had a mission. And that mission was to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. And when they got there, there were obstacles in the way. There were things that were difficult. Can I remind you that being on mission and, and following Jesus is not always easy? It doesn't always come easy. There, the, there are obstacles in the way. There are things that we have to navigate and walk through. But these men, they were willing to work together and they were able to do something together than they would have never been able to do on their own, right? We've made this statement for years, right, that we are better together. And here's the truth. Members of the body of Christ, we are a physical representation of Jesus to this world. And it's not always easy. Trevor Wax, I think, said that uh, if we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we got to be careful what we want because we have to remember what happened to the hands and feet of Jesus, but we desire to press through the hard times, to go through difficult things, and they cooperate, they work together so that they may be able to get this man into the presence of Jesus. You know, we experience community as we serve on mission. I hear a lot of people say, hey, you know what, I want to be, uh, I want to experience community, I want to experience fellowship, I want to be part of something special. When we look at Scripture, we, we find community on mission, right? We are serving God together, and we find community in those moments, right? We 
are, are engaged together. And this cooperation, it wor- results uh, in something beautiful in this passage. We see the blessing, right, of them coming together on mission. But everything, all those pieces, right, they're rooted in one conviction. And it's this conviction for faith-filled followers of Jesus Christ that if we are walking with him, we have this conviction that our only hope is Jesus, right? This is the the reality. And the only hope that this world has is Jesus. And it is all uh, in there. And, And we go all in, right? We say, I don't understand exactly what it looks like. There's risk involved. Can you imagine, right, as they're digging in this house? Like, how's this going to turn out? There's got to be places in our life, and as a church, right, if we're going to reach the people that I believe God has called us to reach, I believe he's assembling an army of believers on mission for the glory of his name, and if we're going to reach those people, if we are going uh, to engage in the mission, there's going to be moments that we have to be in a place where we're stepping out on faith in such a way that we might say, if Jesus doesn't show up, we are in a mess, right? We, we're dependent on him. Notice they had courage. Notice that they were willing to pick up a shovel or whatever they could get a hold of to dig and get in this roof. And I'm reminded that the message of the gospel never changes. But man, we're to be creative with the methods that we reach people in our culture. We are to engage on mission in however way that we can. And when we have compassion, when we work in cooperation, and when we are convicted that Jesus is the only hope, it causes us to do creative things that open a door for other people to experience Jesus. You know, as we shared at the beginning of today, we are excited to gather this week and, and just come together in a kind of a, a team night. Uh, it's amazing to me, you know, as we've walked through this unusual season and this unusual time, we've, we've seen God just be so faithful, and people have been willing to serve in just crazy ways. We've been, uh, you know, there were times in the, in the early stages, we were out in a parking lot on a trailer, and people would set up in the mornings and do all these kind of crazy things, and we, we've, we've kind of seen just God continue just to remain faithful in the midst of every detail, right, from people that serve in our AV teams to people that open a door physically as, as people come into our building, people that might serve in a, a kitchen team. And there, there's so many different ways, right? I think about all the kids. Like right now while we're uh, gathered, there are kids that are learning uh, about Jesus, that are being shared the good news of the gospel, that, that there are people in our kid men that are literally opening the door and just pointing to Jesus. They're opening and saying, this is Jesus. And, and he's chosen to reveal himself through his word. And so the people of God, uh, in, in the spirit of God, through the word of God, that's how God reveals himself to uh, people. That's how we proclaim the good news of who he is. And I want to invite you um, to, to just lock arms for the glory of Christ. Because I, I believe as, as God assembles a people here, that as, as God puts the body of Christ together, that if God's drawing you here, right, and if you're feeling called here, if you're feeling uh, just part of what God's doing here, that this body will be deficient unless you are engaging in the mission. And I want want to show you just a video, um, just with this thought of opening a door, um, just a a picture of a people. I'm going to put a little definition up of what a door holder is. Then I'll show you a video. Just this thought that there's a people that have been on the inside, 
have experienced Jesus and are willing to hold the door open for others to be welcomed in. We think about just this heart of opening a door. There are churches that have uh, kind of coined this term door holders where instead of being just a volunteer, right, that there's something bigger that's going on than you think, right? That there's something amazing as doors are open for people to encounter Jesus. And I want to share um, just by video one story of how that looked in someone in our faith families. Hi, my name is Kelly, and I serve on staff here at Cowie Baptist Church. Looking at where I'm at now, it's actually pretty crazy to think that just over eight years ago, I was unchurched and had no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But God, uh, out of His goodness, He relentlessly pursued my family and I. We weren't in church, but in a lot of ways, He brought the church to us. There were some family friends that we had that were constantly opening the doors and inviting us to Cowie and to events that Cowie had hosted. But it wasn't just invites. They were also there for us in tangible ways um, through some very difficult and hard moments. There was a group of kids that I sat with in high school and they all just happened to go to Cowie as well. Um, and they never made me feel like an outsider. Uh, they had experienced something and they were wanting me to experience that as well. And so they were opening doors to invite me to their youth group. And after a little bit, I finally took them up on their offer and went to the Cowie youth group. And it was there that I was um, put into a small group. And my small group leader um, really just taught me a lot about the Bible and about Christianity and about God. And it wasn't just like Bible. She was also talking to me about my everyday life, even the mundane. And it was around this point that I became a follower of Christ and started attending church regularly. And then somehow I got roped into serving in the audio-visual ministry, which was funny because I did not have any gifting sets towards that um, or interests, really. And they kind of just plugged me right in. They taught me what I was supposed to do, and I loved it. Um, to be able to serve and to just constantly, like, have a job, to have a responsibility, um, and to put like the skills that I had, and there there wasn't many skills that I had in that in that role, um, but to still be able to to be useful. Um, that was when things changed a lot for me, and uh, just the ability to serve was something that I don't even think I could really even describe even now. And serving in that role really just gave me a door um, to open and to tell others about what God had done and has been and will continue to do in my life. And it really just snowballed from there. But it all started when God used numerous people in my life to open and really hold those doors open for my family and I. They had all experienced Jesus, and they were willing to open the door and allow me to be welcomed in. And my life has not been the same since. It's been really a blessing to see how God's worked um, just in Kelly's life. And it's kind of funny when she first started 
serving in AV, like I, I could show her like some tips on like creativity and doing neat things. And, well, not really creativity, maybe just computers. Um, but, but it's kind of been a neat thought just to see now. Um, she just kind of thrives in that area. She uh, kind of gets in that mode now where she's like, Jason, please don't make another horrible sermon graphic. Just let me make those, right? It'll be... <clears throat> But it's been really neat to see how God has just developed those gifts and continue to grow um, just her relationship with the Lord and, and just the way that she continues to open doors for our kids to, uh, to encounter Christ and to share the good news of the gospel. Um, we open the door and Jesus changes lives, but he's chosen to allow us to be part of that. You know, when Kelly first came, it's been a, a neat thing to see how God has used um, her and her family here at Cowie, but I remember... Um, the day Kelly was baptized, it was a, uh, a really neat moment. We saw uh, Kelly be baptized, and Jennifer was baptized, and Eric was baptized, and her dad. At that point in time, um, we had a little smaller crossover area. This was, a, uh, I believe, a, a section. W- weren't we turned that way, I think, in that time? Yeah, so we, were, we had a, a smaller section. These were rooms uh, where the stage is now, and so we were gathered over on uh, this side, and so... Uh, that their family was baptized. A young man named Dylan Ford, some of you know Dylan, uh, was baptized. And Dylan came out of the water um, just with joy that was unspeakable, right? And he came out and just, just praising the Lord. And I can remember those moments, right, as we were all gathered and we were just worshiping God. And, and God had used people to open the door for Kelly and her family. And uh, Kelly's dad was standing about right back there at the ramp and he was taking pictures. And I'll never forget one of the more powerful moments in, in that service and, and, and even uh, to this day, uh, all of a sudden he was taking pictures back there and you see him throw down his camera and uh, just come kind of fully clothed about as fast as a man that size can move. I'm talking, he was coming. Um, and he got up to the baptistry and he said, I want to be baptized. And I said, okay, Mike, I said, let's, let's connect just a second. I said, you know, when in your life, I said, when has there been a time that you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repented of your sin and surrendered your life to him? Uh, and Mike looked at me, and he said, right now. I said, that's good enough for me. And Mike was baptized that day, and there were multiple people in this room that opened doors. And I'm telling you, the work that God does through obedience in his people is bigger than we think. And I want to invite you. I I see so many times that we see a, a model sometimes in church culture where you know, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And I believe God's calling a people together that say 100% of the people do 100% of the work. And we are all going to be in unity on mission for the glory of his name. And there's a place for everyone. We encourage you, if you're already serving, uh, to consider being part of uh, Team Night this week because we just want to thank you and encourage you. Maybe you uh, are not serving and you say, you know what, I'd love to find a way uh, just to be part of opening doors so that others might be able to encounter Jesus. We would love for you to come. It'll be held here in Crossover uh, this Thursday, and we uh, are expectant of how God uh, is going to continue to work as we continue to look at creative ways that we can encounter uh, people with the good news of the gospel uh, Last Tuesday night, there was a group from our church that ministered uh, in the jail, and just an incredible blessing to hear how God was working this uh, week. Uh, I believe Hugh Brown is going to share his testimony. Uh, We're seeing God open doors that we might go out and to share the good news of who he is. We want to encourage you to be praying for those things, praying for other creative ways that we uh, can proclaim the goodness of who he is, that we can open doors so that others uh, might encounter Jesus and that they might be changed. So my heart is today that we're going to worship together here in just a few minutes. And I want to, I want to invite you 
to join me in praying and just asking God how he would desire to use you. And you may say, you know what? I have no idea uh, how God might could use me. I don't have these skills. I don't have, Kelly would have told us in that moment, hey, I don't have AV skills. I don't understand those kind of things. But, uh, but it's amazing how God works uh, in, the, in the minute, in the moments, and he develops those things. And, it, and I always say, you know what? If you don't know what to do, do something, right? Because we are on mission for the glory of his name. Because there's something beautiful that took place in the man's story, right? He walked away and he carried this mat, right? But there was something much more incredible that he carried than his mat. He carried a clean heart. No more guilt, no more bitterness. You know, the physical need would wear off, but his sins were forgiven. And forgiveness is our greatest need, and it comes at the greatest possible price. But it's offered freely. It's by grace through faith that we are saved, that we receive the forgiveness and goodness of God. And in response to that grace, we willingly lock arms and are on mission for the glory of his name, holding a door so others may be welcomed and so they may become us and that the gospel may move powerfully in boldness through his people. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to invite the band uh, just to come. And uh, again, we, we just want to encourage you. Um, if you've never experienced the forgiveness and grace of God, you may be here this morning, and you say, you know what, I, maybe, maybe it's kind of like Mike it was in that moment when, when he was baptized. And he said, you know what, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never trusted the, the finished work of the cross and, and my greatest need is forgiveness. Maybe you've never experienced the forgiveness that is offered. If that's you this morning, I invite you to come. Invite you just to surrender your life to Jesus, just to believe that Jesus is God, that he is co-eternal with the Father, but that he stepped out from the glories of heaven, that he he was born as a baby and lived a sinless life, that he walked on this earth, that he was fully God and fully man, that he lived a sinless life and that was crucified in our place on a cruel cross. And on the third day, he had been placed in a barred tomb, but he rose from the grave. And if you've never been forgiven, if you've never experienced that, that is the greatest need that you might have. You might say, you know, I've got all these other things going on in my life. All these other needs that Jesus offers the one thing that every person needs that is greater than anything. And that's to be made right with a holy God and to have our sins forgiven. And you, this morning, can place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we could be saved. Maybe that's you this morning. We want to invite you to come. Maybe you're here and you just have a need. We'd love to pray with you, whatever that need may be, that you might, uh, you may just say, you know what, I need to kneel at this altar and just get into the presence of Jesus. And it's not that he is just in this, this, this is just a stage that we uh, can kneel before. There's nothing uh, about that, that that causes his presence to be there. But there is something beautiful uh, about kneeling uh, and surrender to a holy God and calling on his name. And so uh, whatever your need is this morning, we invite you uh, 
to come. We'd love to pray with you. Love to come alongside you. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, uh, I desire to join and lock arms for the glory of God, that I might proclaim the goodness of who he is, that I might serve him, that I might be a part of opening doors so that others might know him. Because the reality is that saved people serve people, that we, that we, the them, become us, and we become part of the mission. Christ. Father, we pray, God, for your will and way in every heart. Lord, we pray, God, that you might, uh, God, save someone if they don't know you, Father. We pray, God, that you might draw them in the power of your spirit, Lord, and that you might uh, allow them, Lord, to, uh, to encounter the grace and love and mercy of Jesus. Lord, we pray, God, for needs in this room, Lord, for others that are going through difficult time, for those in hospitals, those that, uh, Lord, are, are so uh, in desperate need. God, we see, Lord, that you are the God who heals, Father. So we lift those to you as well, Lord. Help us, God. Use us and change us for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.